Greetings, Giant fans. Thank you for listening in, and welcome to the podcast. On this episode, we'll be discussing the New York Football Giants coaching staff as it sits today under newly hired head coach Joe Judge. Joining me is Brian McGinn of the Big Hitters Corner and fellow administrator of the BBH, as well as Rich, known as Mighty Giants, the creator of the site. I'm your host, Ed Buetti, and this is the Big Blue Huddle Podcast. Hey, guys, how you doing today? Doing well, Ed. How are you? I'm doing good. Good. Hey, um, Rich, last week... On the Big Hitters Corner, Brian and I did a podcast, and we were talking about the, the Joe Judge hiring, and you didn't get an opportunity to get on that show, so I, th- I was thought maybe I'd ask you what you thought about the hiring of Joe Judge and, and uh, you know what your thoughts are on that. Well, when it comes to head coaches, I, I look at five factors. Um, I look at motivation. And, you know, because, you know, the reality is of coaches, you're kind of asking millionaires to, to run through brick walls for you. So you, you really want a coach who can get guys excited and motivated. And I think we saw from his press opening presser, he can get people excited. He got the press excited. He got former Giants excited. I, I think he did well in that. You know, the second thing is, you know, you need to be a good teacher. You know, you, you need to be able to get, you know, develop players and make sure they understand game plans. And I think he is a pretty good teacher, and I think he values teaching. I mean, we'll see. You know, it's still, it's one thing to value it. It's another effective about it, so we'll see. Third is I think you got to look at, you know, head coaching is a lot about your staff. How good is the staff you put together? You know, obviously that's going to be a lot of the topic of this show, but, you know, so far it looks pretty good. And, you know, finally, you know, you need to be somewhat savvy with the X's and O's. You know, you you need to know some X's and O's. You may bring people in, but you still, you don't want to be, I'm sorry, this poor, so that was not the final. So, you know, he it's going to be up to, you know, because he was only special teams, it's going to be kind of hard to see, but, you know, that's to be determined. And finally, you want to have a head coach. You want them to have great preparation and attention to detail. You know, probably the best coach I ever saw with that was Tom Coughlin. And, you know, we've seen it in the way he used to do challenges, the way he could manage the clock, the way his players were prepared for various situations. You know, I'm talking uh, Tom Coughlin in his prime. So, you know, I think that's another aspect, and I think he scores high on that. So you, you think, based on the fact he's not going to be calling the game plan for the offense, and he's not going to be running the defense, that he's going to be more global and he's going to, you know, really be able to see the big picture? Do you? Th- what do you think about that? I think that's probably the way. You know, football is becoming more and more complicated, and you know, now we got analytics, so much analytics and stuff, and. I, I really think it's kind of hard for any any coach to be calling half the game and still be effectively overseeing everything. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things as head coach is, you know what, you're seeing how the game is flowing. You might have input for the defensive coordinator or the offense, but, you know, you're not going to get the feel for that flow and what's going on unless you're, you're not burdened by calling plays. Brian, you agree with that? Yeah, I think that probably came into play on the whole con- concept, Ed, is – to hire a guy, special team coordinator, he's not the offensive guy, he's not the defensive guy. He is the CEO of the team, and he's going to 
overlook the entire operation, not concentrate on one side. So that was, to me, one of the positives of the hiring is that they got a, a man who's not going to slide one way or the other, but who's a, a very much a personnel guy. Is you know, having worked as the specialty team coordinator, he worked quite a bit with the bottom third of the roster. So he had to know the whole roster and to be able to have effective special teams, which they were always top of the league. And so that, to, to me, that's a, a very good indication of a man who's going to be able to, like I said, CEO the roster and let the uh, respective coordinators run their, their uh, own units. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Good comments there. So here's some common denominators. <clears throat> Nick Saban, Bill Belichick. Alabama, New England, New York Giants, Princeton grad, Yale grad, all common denominators with pretty much all of these coaches here. I think all of them hit one thing or another. Um, What do you think about that, anybody? Well, I I don't think it's – as far as the schooling goes, I I, – I think that might just be a bit of a coincidence. Uh, you know, Garrett, it, it kind of played it, probably played it in his decision to come is the fact that he's a Bergen County boy. I had one, one of your neighbors, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he went to Princeton. And, and the way I understood things, it really hasn't come out why Patrick Graham asked out of Miami or whether he was asked to go out of Miami. But one of the things that I heard is it was strictly a rumor thing was, that he wanted to head, you know, more back towards the, the northeast, where, which is where he's from, as opposed to, uh, for some reason, didn't like it as well as in Miami. Um, but as far as the coaching trees go, I think that has you know, quite a bit to, uh, to do with it. Yeah, the, the New England connection, the, the Alabama connections. Those are, I said last week is you've got the best NFL coach possibly ever, certainly you know, top two or three. And you have you know, the best coach in college football. So you've got that for uh, you know Joe Judge to rely upon, and, and you've got you know, you know different strengths between his coordinators. So I'm still waiting to see how the entire assistant coaching staff works shakes out. But right now, you know, I, I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing, Rich. I I, I think that it, you know. I remember, I believe it was both Gettleman and Mara talked about wanting to get a, a, a smart, you know, their two big things were leadership and they wanted smart coaches. I mean, you know, if you're looking for smart coaches, I don't think it was an accident that they're both, you know, one coordinator's from Yale and the other one's from Princeton. I mean, that's a, that's I, a good I, thing, Ivy League grads, man. Yeah. You know, you, you know, it seemed like under Shermer that that, that that the Giants coaching staff was usually not the smartest one on the field, and I, I think they wanted to correct that. Okay, okay. So, um, Rich, let's hit on Jason Garrett. So Jason Garrett um, started his career in coaching in the NFL under Nick Saban in 2004 with the, with the Miami Dolphins. He was a quarterback coach. Then he went to the Cowboys. He became the offensive coordinator in 2007. He took over the head coach position, uh, I think, around 2010, right through 2019. Former quarterback of Dallas. He's got two Super Bowl rings. He was a Giants backup quarterback, so he's got ties to the New York football Giants. Um, What do you got to say about Jason Garrett? You like this hire? 
I, I do like this hire. I mean, you know, one of the knocks on, on Joe Judge is he isn't the most experienced. And, you know, I don't think the, the, uh, the average fan appreciates how many, how many deep, little minor details are, are, are being focused on by head coaches in terms of how they're going to lay out their whole training camp, how these uh, off-season workouts are done, when, how they install the game plan during the week. When they give the players rest, when they don't, you know, when do they practice in the morning? Do they practice in the afternoon? Um, if you remember, Shermer changed up some stuff from year one to year two because he thought it might help was changing how, how they went in order in terms of practice and, and classroom work. So having a, a coach who has had a pretty good amount of success, you know, to sound off and, and help him with all these little details and little issues that might come up, I, I think would be really valuable to him. And what's your take there, Brian? Well, I think what Garrett added is that you have a coordinator who is capable of running his own unit without the input of the head coach, which is what Joe Judge was looking for. To me, this was the single biggest and best hire to date that the Giants have made and could have made as far as their coaching staff goes. The other one, of course, being the head coaching decision for Joe Judge. Jason Garrett, I, I... said it elsewhere that as a head coach, he was just a little bit to the, the side of being a little bit of a lightweight. But as an offensive coordinator, he's a heavy. And he's recognized as such that the Cowboys had the number one defense, or excuse me, offense in the NFL by 25 yards per game. Yeah, they have you know some good personnel. There's no question about it, especially their line. But nonetheless, you know, the, the uh, otherwise, skill position-wise, not all that different from the Giants. or strengths and, and uh, weaknesses in you know, the, the different units. But nonetheless, he's a guy who can run it for himself, and he will attract more quality coaches than you know some unknown might be able to do. I'm still you know hoping for for uh, Callahan as the offensive line coach. But the hires so far, he's getting uh, really good grades for the assistants. So I, I think that the Garrett hire, was, was the, he was the guy I wanted. That's a spoiler alert. And it worked out that way. And I think he'll make the Giants' offense so much better just with the same personnel that they had for, from uh, 2019. You made a good point there about him being able to bring in some more talent. And I love this I love this hire. And you and I both agreed last week on your podcast you know, he brings a lot to the table. He's got a world of experience. He's, he's got the same kind of philosophies when you're tying in Joe Judge, uh, Dave Gettleman, Hog Mollies, being able to run the ball, being able to stretch the field, um, and, and being able to tailor a game plan to the strength of your players and try to, you know, make up for their weaknesses, but also looking at your opponent and changing your game plan from week to week. They're all talking from the same voice, and I think that that's huge. Um, why don't we run into Patrick Graham here? Brian, why don't you start off? So Patrick Graham was the defensive coordinator at Miami, and prior to that he was um, an inside linebacker coach and defensive run game coordinator for Green Bay. Prior to that, he was with the Giants, and then he spent a lot of time with New England. He's got his own set of rings there. Um, how do you like this Patrick Graham pick? I'm kind of on the let's wait and see with this guy because I wasn't happy with um, you know somebody who didn't seem to have a lot of success over there in Miami this past year. But what do you what's your take on Jay, on Patrick Graham? Well, he had absolutely. You know, now, I would say absolutely nothing to work with, but 
darn close to that mm-hmm. in Miami. So I, I give him a bit of a pass on that. But to me, that only makes him a remains a question mark, not a a known quantity. Um, I slide towards. I think it's a pretty good hire. He was. You said that he was with the Giants before, and that's correct. He was a, a defensive line coach for two years, and he actually sp- spanned a couple of a uh, couple of coaching staffs, if I remember correctly. And the players liked him quite a bit. So he's got some talent and the defensive line. We won't go into personnel right now, but to date, he hasn't made a hire as far as an assistant goes. And I, I kind of wonder whether you know that's. Uh, you know, an issue because he's an unknown quantity or just because, you know, they're still interviewing candidates. It's just no way for us to know on that. But as far as the system goes, you know, for people say it's a 3-4-4-3. It's a New England defense. It's basically a 3-4, um, but the, the multiple linebackers move around it. There's edge guys, there's inside guys, but there's edge guys who move inside. Yeah, they generally play five defensive backs on every single snap. Um, so you're going to see a lot of mix and match. He's got some young talent to work with. So we'll see what he can do with that. But to me, it's a, a cautious positive, but it, it, it could blow up. We'll, let's see what happens. But I, I do think that because of the tree that he comes from, through Judge, through New England, and through Belichick, that yeah, he, he's thought of well, at least with the people in the know from that particular coaching tree. So, yeah, I'm... I, like I said, cautiously optimistic, but we're going to have to wait and see. You know, Rich, he, he runs this multiple, he, he does a, a 3-4 and a combination 4-3 defense, and it remains to be seen if, if we have the players that can transition to that. But um, how do you think he's going to then bring in, um, I guess this is a decision for Joe Judge working with Patrick Graham, uh, the linebacker coach, the defensive line coach, are they going to have a safety versus a cornerback coach? Are they going to have an inside linebacker versus uh, an outside linebacker coach? Or will they have assistance? How do you think all this gets put together under Patrick Graham? That's going to be an interesting um, concept that, um, you know, as we, we, we performed the podcast, we talked a little bit about it is, you know, what we saw under Spags and we saw under uh, Betcher, they had different staffs in terms of under Betcher. They had two linebacking coaches, one one DB coach and a defensive line coach. Under Spags, we had one D line coach, one linebacker coach, a safety coach, and a quarterback. Co- uh, sorry, cornerback coach. So you know how they're going to split up the, the coaching duties with. Um, um, Graham and his very multiple type of and very flexible type of defense, you know, will be interesting to see. Um, I suspect maybe three and then an assistant as needed, you know, one at one D line, one linebacker, one DBs, and an assistant where they feel that they need the extra help. It, it, you know, I, 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 you know, as I'm as we're talking in this podcast, one of the things I want to do is go back and look at how they made how the the uh, coaching staff of Miami was last year to try to get an idea how they they staffed the um, positions last year in Miami because that might give us a little hint. Brian, I got a question. I don't know if you if you have an opinion on this because it's I'm just throwing it out there. Do you well, think, I got an opinion on it? Do you do you think the outside linebackers should be coached by the linebacker coach in a in a three four, or do you think that they they should be coached by the defensive line coach instead? 
Well, what I've seen in most three fours is that you have a separate outside linebacker slash edge rush coach, and then you have an inside linebacker coach. Remember, that's what Patrick Graham was in New England. He was the inside linebacker coach. So I, I would suspect, and that's if I remember correctly, that's how Miami ran it when he was the coordinator in Miami, is that they had separate uh, coach for the outside linebacker, separate for the inside linebacker, and, and then they had a separate coach for the defensive line, which in a 3-4 is basically, uh, you know, everybody's an interior lineman. So I, I'm going to suspect that's what they're going to do, but I don't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed? Yeah. I just looked it up. Last year in Miami, the coaching staff consisted of defensive coordinator, defensive line coach, linebacker coach, defensive pass game coordinator slash cornerbacks, and a safeties coach. Okay, so one linebacker coach. Did they run a 3-4 in Miami? They ran both. They ran both. They predominantly are, uh, I think it was like a 40-60 split, about 60% 3-4, 40% Now, you, you really had a lot of criticism, Rich, for the defensive back coach for the Giants last season. <clears throat> there was a lot of miscues, and um, you felt that that was a good thing to move away from him. Is that correct? Uh, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, you had far too many of our defensive backs looking like they were lost. There were way too many blown coverages. You know, you, you had far too much finger pointing at the coaches, at the players, suggesting they're not studying hard enough. You know, as, as I said about coaching, teaching is so critical. And, it, you know, it, it didn't appear like, you know, our, our defensive backs coach last year was doing very well. And, I mean, you draft three cornerbacks or you know in the draft and then you have a, a supplemental guy coming back after injury so they unfortunately had they had four defensive backs that were young and, and not one of them really excelled and, and really stood out you would think the odds would have favored at least one of them being an impressive rookie you know what this is going to be a very important hire whether they have a safety and a cornerback coach or just a defensive back coach Brian, you think they should pull from the college ranks again, or do you think this should be somebody, if they can find somebody who's an experienced defensive back coach who coached in the NFL and has a lot, has a big track record going into this? Well, I'm going to take a shot at it. I, I think it will probably happen is you're going to try to find, doesn't matter, doesn't mean that they will, but try to find an established uh, NFL coach. Reason being is that the Giants are so young at that position. We're going back to the, the attitude that we want our coaches to also be teachers. You know, if you're an experienced teacher, you've got more knowledge to impart on your young and impressionable uh, group of young men who, who are playing under you. So I, I'm going to kind of guess they'll probably go with a secondary coach, but they'll have an assistant secondary coach maybe for, for cornerbacks or, or for safeties, kind of split it up, but have – they actually call it the passing game coordinator, but uh, or, or, or yeah, you know where I'm coming from on that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but 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 it means not for offense, but for defense. And I, I could see that sort of setup going on here because again, you have a bunch of you know, really young, 
guys with a lot of talent that was very poorly taught, I thought, by the, the previous staff. And they're going to want to upgrade that because I, I think that it's, you know, the potential is all over with the, you know, really, really good, you know, players there, you know, talent wise. But they, they have to be molded into professionals. Didn't so I'm, I'm going to, I think that's what will, what will happen. And still have uh, coaches for both, but one guy overseeing the unit. Yeah, it didn't seem like they supported that, that secondary with those young players very well last year. Um, Tom McGahee, we, you know, Brian, you and I touched on your podcast that we're very, very happy that he's coming back. Um, uh, Rich, thoughts on Tom McGahee coming back? Well, I special teams we coach. Pat- special yes, teams coach. Um, I believe we played the Patriots last year, or at least in the preseason, and we played them the year before. And you know, you know, it, the one thing that you know, Pat, you know, that our Joe Judge would really be able to judge. You know, pardon the pun, of the Giants coaches would have been his opposing his opposing coach on the special team. So he must have really seen something there if he wanted to keep him at that. I mean, in my mind, that's one of the biggest endorsements when a, when a special teams guru decides he wants to keep you. So now we go into the quarterback coach. Jerry Shablinski came from New England. Um, he was he was there from 13 through 15 as the offensive assistant, and then 16 through 18 he was the assistant quarterback coach. He he was in Miami last year uh, as the assistant quarterback coach. Anybody want to comment on Jerry as a hire? I think it's a great thing that we now have a quarterback coach, which there was no designated quarterback coach last year. I guess I guess it was the offensive coordinator. Um, which would be Shula last year, that that fell under his um, responsibilities. Why don't, we, why don't we go to Brian on this one? Yeah, it was, well, we'll start with there not being one last year. It's absolutely, it, it was ridiculous. In fact, indefensible that you use the number six overall pick on the draft on a quarterback, and then you don't have a, a coach specifically assigned to quarterbacks. A lot of teams have two quarterback coaches, a quarterback coach and assistant coach. What I've heard of Shaplinski is high marks for, for the hire. Uh, even Dan Marino, of all people, uh, said that it was a, he doesn't, he's not known for um, giving compliments out. I, I've heard that, you know, before. And, and he, he, he praised the pick on that. So it, it tells me that, yes, there, there's a commitment here to, you know, coaching up the quarterbacks. And it, don't forget that you know Jason Garrett was a quarterback himself, so it's a position. You know, unlike uh, Shermer, who was a center. You know, I don't know how he got the reputation as a quarterback girl when he was a center as a player. But uh, Garrett is a quarterback by trade, and Shaplinski, it, it, I think, is a real nice hire. And you know, now we have somebody who can work with Jones specifically, and not you know, hear the nonsense. Eli can coach him up, and Shula can you know, can coach him up. Now we have a man who, whose job is specifically to handle the quarterbacks. And that to me, that's a a, a really good positive sign. Anything to add on that, Rich? I I disagree with Brian. I, I mean, it, it really did. It was really baffling to think that you know, with all the new young quarterbacks that the Giants were developing between Lauletta and Webb and and you know um, Jones, they didn't have a dedicated coach to that position. So you agree with him, not disagree? 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I agree. I, I, right. I definitely agree that it, you know it, it, it's it's a it's a positive move at, at the very least. And, and like Brian, uh, you know, I've heard nothing but good things about him in terms of you know him and, and his ability to coach um, quarterbacks. So now we move on to to Burton Burns, running back coach, and this one is interesting to me. He spent a lot of time in Alabama. Uh, he wasn't just the running back coach; he was the assistant head coach under Nick Saban. Um, Brian, you're the you're the expert on Alabama because that's your favorite college team. Uh, do you know anything about Burton? Not specifically, but I do know in Alabama in the system and the running backs that come out of Alabama. Keep in mind that they aren't just runners; they're also designed to catch the ball. He, you know, you know, Derek Henry is a ter- terrific out of the backfield. So I, I see this first of all that they went with a quality hire. You know, the, the guy's really good at what he does, and he has produced so many good uh, running backs over the years, and they're they're all over the NFL. But also that it it's a way of maybe helping out with you know Saquon Barkley working him more into the passing game, which I think was undertapped by the previous regime. I'm not here to bash them, but you know because you just have to point out the obvious is that you know they didn't utilize that running back you know well, and I and Gallman got on their, their, their crap list and, and didn't come off. Nobody knows what happened there. Yeah, and I think that he's a pretty talented guy as a number two man. So I, I think this is a nice hire. It's you know, it, it, a, a quality coach who brings a lot to the table and who has a you know proven track record of developing players into you know top shelf offensive running backs. Well, Rich, I got a question on on the Giants running backs. So you have two kind of similar type running backs, you, you, where you have um, Gallman and you have Saquon Barkley. Do you think the Giants should move towards getting more of a north-south, a bruising runner, a punishing kind of a runner uh, to, to complement the running back squad there? Or do you think that this is something that they should continue to stick with and, and have the same type of running backs where they can catch passes out of the backfield um, as well as you know be, being able to be agile? And What, what are your thoughts on that, Rich? Well, I think until the Giants' offensive line can prove that they, you know, that they they can become physically dominating and, and be able to dominate the line of scrimmage, I'm not sure a, a power back or a bruising north south runner would be that effective with the Giants. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, um, Coach Talbert, wide receiver coach, um, he's been with the Giants for the last two years. I guess he was the wide receiver coach for the last two years, and they stuck with him. Um, any comments, guys, on, on why you think they stuck with him and didn't replace him? He, continuity? What do you think? What, what, what was the thought process there? Go, cool, Richie. Um, I've always been a fan of his. I, I thought he did an excellent job with um, Slayton and some of these almost what I would term street free agent wide receivers that, you know, due to injuries and the like, the Giants have been forced to put out on the field. They they generally didn't embarrass themselves. And I think it was uh, Coleman, the young man that, that tore up his ACL right before the start of the season. It looked like he had, re- you know, that Pelbert had reached him and got him to play some of his best ball 
and you know, it was unfortunate that he, he tore up his ACL because I, I think he was going to show something as well. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited by the fact that they kept him. Okay. All right. Now, getting back to uh, to Jason Garrett, he utilized the tight end a lot in his offenses throughout the years. Um, so we're looking at tight end coach and being able to develop uh, Evan Ingram and some of the other young tight ends. I don't know if Brett Ellison's coming back or not this season. Uh, then we also have the defensive line coach that we're looking at. Brian, who did you mention as far as a defensive line coach that, that you were taking a look at coming over along with um, Jason Garrett from Dallas? I'm not sure who they're looking at. Uh, it, it'd be a lot of speculation. I mean, we yeah, wrote a guy from Old Miss, and he decided to stay. They, they uh, sweetened up the pot on him, so uh, he decided he wanted to stay there. Sounds like that he's looking to get a head coaching gig in, in the college level. So it, it's understandable these things happen. So I don't really know what their plan B is on that, and, and I'm a little remiss to uh, you know, try to throw names out there just off the top of my head. Did you and mention Bill Callahan? Did you mention Callahan? But, but, Right, as an offensive. Yeah, that's what I, I'm sorry. Did I say defensive? I'm sorry. You, 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 you said that you said defensive. I'm sorry. I'm Cal- offensive. Bill, okay. And to keep in mind, Bill Callahan did work with Garrett in Dallas. Uh, a little bit of the history was, if you remember, Jerry Jones announced before training camp one year that Jason Garrett was no longer going to be calling the plays. And that Bill Callahan, who was an offensive assistant, was going to call the plays. And that lasted exactly one year, and Jerry decided that Scott Linehan was going to call a place. <laughs> now, Callahan only spent two years there, but he's a very well-known offensive line coach, very, very successful. And uh, it, because he hasn't really interviewed, as far as I can tell from news reports, uh, with anybody, he could very much be in a running there. So the question is, did he have a problem with Garrett because of the play calling? Did he not? I, my, my suspicion is that Garrett knew exactly how Jerry was. And so, you know, after, you know, he burned Callahan after one year. Callahan learned that also. So uh, any, any issues between the two probably you know, disappeared over time as they, you know, realized who the rat in the room was and it was the guy upstairs. So yeah, I, I'm hoping for him and, you know, I guess the Giants are still in the running. But other than that, yes, the Giants absolutely need a, a tight end coach. And Garrett, you're right. He does develop tight ends. I mean, obviously, Jason Witten, you know, Hall of Famer. But even his backup guys turn, you know, you know guys like Blake Jarwin and you know, Jeff Swain you know, are, are pretty good players. And, you know, they, they can block like, you know, like offensive linemen and they can catch a pass when thrown to. So I'm, I'm curious as to see who's going to come in as the tight end coach. Rich? Um, I would just mention one other name. If they can't land Bill Callahan, another name to watch on the offensive line would be uh, Mark Colombo, who was the last offensive line coach with uh, Jason Garrett down in Dallas, a former player. He spent 2016 and 18 as an assistant offensive line coach and was their offensive line coach in 2018 and 2019. And as you know, Dallas is been able to consistently field some pretty very good offensive lines okay yeah and and colombo was a tight end by the way for dallas it it, the thing with the offensive lineman with dallas is you you had three number one picks a number two pick and a guy who would have been a number one pick if not for some oddball circumstances i i I wouldn't be surprised at all when the gear comes and says hey you know 
Let, let's finally pull a trigger and a tackle up high. But who, who knows as far as that goes? Yeah, but yeah, good point on that, Rich Colombo. Uh, quality assisted. So let, let's talk about needs now, as far as player needs. What, looking at the defensive side, looking at the offensive side, where's the priority on defense in free agency and the draft? Where's the priority on offense, free agency, and draft? Let's go to Rich on that. Let's start out with Rich. All right. I would say, I mean, I'm going to be stating what would be a closest thing to the obvious is the Giants need more pass rush. They, you know, they need someone who can beat, you know, consistently beat one-on-one, you know, the uh, pass blocking, and that the other team will need to scheme around. Um, unfortunately, there's not a lot in free agency. I mean, there's a couple names, but nothing that jumps off the, the page. Um, and number four in the draft, I'm not sure there's going to be a great pass rusher available um, at that position. I think later on in the second round, maybe, but you know, in the first round, I'm not sure. But I think on on the defensive side, I think that's your number one need. All right, so hold um, on that thought. Let's go to Brian. Brian, defense. Okay, I'm going to give you one, two, and three on that. Is yes, they, they need an edge rusher. Um, every, I think it was Gettleman said everybody east of the Pacific Ocean knows the Giants need a pass rusher. Uh, I'm not sold at all on Marcus Golden. I, I wouldn't resign him for what I think is going to be a pretty big contract because I think he was a. Uh, Rich has used this term. He's a, the most ineffectual sacks of <laughs> of any edge rusher. He, he had ten of them, but they, he had no forced fumbles. He, he had one fumble recovery. Usually, the guys that are dominant, they they, they have a, you know, a ton of forced fumbles and fumble recoveries, you know, knocking down the balls out of quarterback's hands. So, I think they they need a an edge rusher. They absolutely need it. if you're going to play a three four, and it's essentially a three four, and. Miami last year that um, now that you know, they, they they used utilizing inside linebacker they need an inside linebacker and I do think that they need a veteran but not too old safety um, playing the free safety that can uh, you know cover up for you know, mistakes you're still going to get out of the younger kids and there's actually help out there uh, Kyler Fackrell from the from Green Bay Packers. It will will be available. You know, he he lost a lot of playing time when Green Bay went out and they signed the two Smiths. And because it has numbers dropped off, but he's just finishing up a rookie contract right here, and he's a free agent. You want an inside linebacker? How about Nick Kwiatkowski from the from the Bears? Uh, he's also coming off a rookie contract, and the Bears need help on offense. But I don't think they'll be able to resign him. You know, for, for, but I, I think he'd get him reasonably. And also from the Bears, Clinton Ha-Ha Dix is, is a safety. He did a one-year uh, show-me deal for the Bears, and he, he did well. So, I mean, you could fix it that way. I'm just throwing some names out there. But uh, th- to me, those are the three things that they really, really need on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, um, I think the priority is definitely linebacker, inside linebacker, and edge rushes. I agree with both of you. So now moving over to the offensive side, I know what you guys are going to say. So we'll go to Rich. Offense, what's the priority on the offense? Left tackle, no question. You know, they have to get a left tackle. They can shift over shoulder to right tackle, but they have to get a left tackle. Um, Number two, they need a center. Whether they can get one in free agency to upgrade, or whether they can draft one in the middle rounds of the draft, possibly. But they, you know, I think we want to have a center to at least be there competing. 
Um, and um, believe it or not, my third one would be tight end. Um, I'm, I'm really, I know Caden Smith looked okay, but, you know, the reality is I'm not sure Red Ellison, you know, he could take a pay cut and they could keep him, but he's never really been a great impact. And I'm really souring on Evan Ingram only because I, you know, I don't believe he can stay healthy for 16 games and can be counted on to be the, the giant starting tight end. Think they could move him over to, to the wide receiver position? Could he be um, a Z receiver? I guess their options there, Ed, would be to do that. Although, you know, one of the problems with um, Evan Ingram is that he's just not that quick off the line. He, he, he it takes him time. He's a very fast, but it, he's only got you know, what you would call long speed. He doesn't have that quick area burst that you really like to see in a wide receiver. So I think, in my opinion, I think that between free agency and the draft, they they absolutely have to find a quality tackle. Left tackle would be preferable. I'd like to see them go after a number one wide receiver somewhere in there, uh, maybe even in the draft. It's a very deep draft for receivers. I think you're right on center. I, I agree. The Jalapio experiment just didn't work out. And... Um, Brian, your thoughts? Well, to me, Ed, the, the number one priority that I see on the offense, even more than the tackles, is center. I mean, they, they had eight ball in the side pocket as far as that goes. The Jalapeno is supposed to be out for the year, but I, I thought he played terrible. You know, it's it, it was worth a shot, but, you know, two years into it, it's just not working out. But, yes, we need at least one tackle here. Uh, Nick Gates, I like him a lot, so maybe – one is all that we do need, uh, but it's, you got to get a tackle. Let, let's stop messing around with this and you know, address the position finally. You, you don't need running backs. You, you don't need obviously you don't need a quarterback, a wide receiver. I, I don't know why anybody's thinking we need a wide receiver, except perhaps that you know Sterling Shepard's durability is starting to come into question here. You know, the, the concussion thing pops up, and it doesn't get better over time. It gets worse. You know, ask Luke quickly about that. You know, it's, it's starting to cut more and more careers short simply because it's recognized as you know, the problem that it wasn't once recognized Yeah. So, But receiver, not high in the draft. Tight end, I want to see what I, – I agree that the question mark is really popping up on Evan Ingram as far as durability goes, as far as talent goes, no, not none whatsoever. And Garrett is very good at, at taking advantage of the pluses of tight ends and limiting the, the, the liabilities of that. It does a lot of double tight end stuff. So to, to me, it's it's definitely on the line more than anything else. And that, those would be my high, you know, day one to early day two priorities in, in, in uh, the drafting, but also as far as free agency goes. I great. A lot of great feedback, guys. Any final thoughts, Rich? Um, I think that, you know, as far as we could be this far into the seed, you know, you know, the Super Bowl hasn't even been played. But so far, it, you know, I, I'm feeling a little more optimistic of the Giants' um, chances moving forward than I was as we were, le- you know, as Brian and I were leaving that last game of, of, the, of this season. And Brian? Well, I think that in the proofs of the pudding here, but there's reason to be optimistic because I thought that the Giants, talent-wise, were better than their 
final record indicated. Yeah, I, I thought going into the season that they were probably around an eight and eight team with, with you know room to improvement as they added on. And I I don't change that opinion. Uh, young players, a little bit of struggling here and there, but I think that they were just they, they were poorly coached. Uh, I said uh, last time I did, during the break week this year. I, I did a scouting report on the Giants. I was doing a scouting report on opposing teams every week. And I did did one on the Giants during the, the off week, which I, I did never put it out because I was waiting for changes to happen, and they didn't happen. So we just, just snuck up on the next game, which was a bear, so I, it, it never got out. But what stuck out to me doing a scouting report on the Giants as best as I could as, a, as an out, outside observer was that they were very, very poorly coached. You know, there, there was just a lot of things went bad that, that, that could have been addressed that wasn't addressed. So I, I'm optimistic to see, you know, you know, what they can do personnel-wise, they finally have a lot of money for, for uh, to address the free agency to get out of the cap hell. So let, let's see what happens. But I'm more optimistic today than I was uh, you know, a year ago. I'm optimistic, too. Okay, so that's a wrap on behalf of Rich, Brian, and myself. We thank you for listening in. You can find the Big Blue Huddle at GiantsFans.net and on Twitter and Facebook. Be sure to check out Brian's SoundCloud page, at Brian McGinn, and on Facebook, at The Big Hitter's Corner. Go Giants! See you later.